It's gonna help with the burn fat and uh, and if you do eat, then it's gonna help you build muscle. So the double whammy of <laughs> the holy grail, basically. Mindless eating. People just eating because they're bored, because they don't know what else to do. And if you restrict the caloric intake of, some, of almost every species on the planet, they're gonna experience uh, longer life rates and they're gonna live longer. And yeah, you don't just keep getting hungry and hungry and hungry, right? Yeah. <laughs> 10 days yeah. hunger oh. is... <laughs> Most of my friends, they're like lift weights, the bros, right? Protein, 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 lift weights, lift weights, lift weights. And I can't tell you how many of them would freak out at the idea of fasting for like 20 hours per day. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host Siebland and uh, today I have my friend Philip from New Zealand, from all the way so, across the other world and uh, we're going to talk about uh, things like fasting and uh, nutrition. So Philip, I want to welcome you to the show. What's up? Yep, happy to be here. Um, I guess I'll give myself a bit of an introduction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, doing I'm doing YouTube. Uh, I talk about fasting, nutrition, fitness. I kind of worked as a trainer at a gym for a while and then just kind of took my passion for the stuff online and here we are. Happy to be here. Nice. How long have you been doing YouTube? YouTube now, I, I guess it's like a year and a half, but before that I was kind of fiddling around with various different types of online adventures that didn't really go well. Um, but YouTube probably for about a year and a half and trying to get into blogging soon as well. Um, I, I've done a bit of writing as well, but YouTube has been the main thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember like uh, we started off at quite a similar time as well. I believe like we had both both we had like a few hundred th few hundred subscribers or something when we first met, and uh, it's been quite quite a growth for both of us ever since. Yeah, such a journey. I, I remember we both. I I think I I remember hitting you up at some point. I think I messaged you first or commented on a video of yours. Um, and you had like a hundred, a hundred or two hundred subscribers. So it's yeah, it's definitely been a, a journey since then. And um, yeah, we have the same birthday as well, which is really weird. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that kind of freaked me out. So like, uh, how long have you been doing fasting for then? Um. Well, I mean, I've done it for quite a few years now, but. I can't just say like three or four years because when I first started, it wasn't every single day. Um, but I, I guess about three, three, four years consistently, probably. Yeah. Hmm. I remember yeah. like I first started like when I was in uh, high school or something. I first, I first heard about like the, the, the lean gains approach of where you restrict your feeding into eight hour time frame and you fast for 16 hours. And that was like the very, good uh good way of uh, staying fit and uh losing f body fat at the same time so I, I haven't actually gone back to a standard way of eating ever since like f almost like six years or something like that quite right. stick to some uh, form of intermittent fasting ever since that so but are you fasting right now or something yeah i, I first i first started it i'm not fasting now i just had a huge dinner i'm so full right now but um i first started fasting when I was trying to lose weight. So I've been like 
I started off bodybuilding when I was like 15 years old in my garage over there, actually just like in front of a mirror as a 15 year old trying to get huge arms. Like that, that's kind of how I started in the, in the fitness world. And, um, and then I had built up a bit of muscle. I've never been like the biggest guy, but I went on like a little bit of a bulk a few years ago before I started fasting. And then I, I started doing it after reading some lean gain stuff as well. Actually, I think that's where a lot of people start. And I, I was basically fasting until the evening, until about six o'clock. Then I would do my workout. Then I would eat a huge meal after that. And I tried that for a period of like eight or 10 weeks while I was tracking my calories. And I just got so absolutely shredded. I, I got so lean. I got down to like six, seven, eight percent body fat, something like that. And and I looked ridiculous because my natural body fat was somewhere around 12, 13% and I would never go lower than that. So that's kind of where I discovered the the power of fasting and, and just how effective it can be for, for fat loss. And I felt great as well. I had, I was back at university then and, and I was studying and, um, and I just had so much energy during the day compared to when I was stuffing myself with food first thing in the morning. That's true. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a huge difference. That's like one of the biggest, uh, or the, one of the first things people notice is that they're like liberated from the from the need to eat all the time. So it's like this detachment from food as well. But it's been great. I've, I've really enjoyed fasting and it. I feel like it's something I'll never stop doing. It's just become so routine for me now that it seems kind of ridiculous to go back to eating frequent meals. I mean, there'll be days occasionally where maybe I won't eat one or two big meals and for whatever reason I might eat some more frequent meals maybe because I need to get in more calories one day I feel like I've been under eating possibly like there are circumstances like that but I think for a long long time I'll, I'll be well, basically for the rest of my life hopefully I'll be I'll be fasting I've just read too many of the benefits into it and it just makes sense that we should be eating like that from an evolutionary perspective and it just doesn't make sense to to be eating every 30 minutes it's just not natural in my opinion at least yeah and definitely there are a lot yeah. of like other ho other side effects to you know being in this constant <coughs> anabolic state as well of feeding yourself all the time without ever having to go through you know the the catabolic state of where you actually break down i mean one big misconception people have obviously is going to be that uh protein can only be absorbed in uh, 20 gram increments throughout the day and if you eat more than 20 grams of protein then protein synthesis doesn't occur and you pee out the rest that was the huge myth that used to go around on on bodybuilding forms in the 2000s and a lot of people still believe that actually um so but in saying that i think that if you're trying to build like a lot of mass and you're doing like heaps of powerlifting and you're just trying to gain weight 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 and get as strong as possible then it probably doesn't hurt to eat more frequent meals to try to get in as much food as of possible. Course, yeah. But I think for the, I think for the average person who's just trying to, trying to build muscle and and stay lean and stay healthy, then there's not there's no point in in eating it's... breakfast snack, lunch snack, dinner snack. It just yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's true. Yeah. I w it's I... not to say that you can't be healthy though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't imagine like Kai Green or Phil Heath eating in four hours all of their calories or something like that that's <laughs> that would be it's just not practical for them yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of counter counterintuitive yeah yeah but uh like, let's start off with some of the basics as well like what's what is intermittent fasting and how does it work actually sure okay i mean that's a good question because i guess i guess maybe there'll be new viewers uh who are watching who haven't yeah. haven't really heard of it 
people. And um, yeah, basically it's just not eating for a certain period of the day. So lean gains, which we were referring to before, is just not eating for 16 hours and then you eat all your calories within an eight hour eating window. And that duration can vary based on personal preference and what you're trying to achieve. Some people uh, will do one meal a day, like like Sim and, and me occasionally, where you basically eat all your calories in, in one meal. Um, but that's basically what it is, just not eating for a certain period of the day. And the reason people do this generally is going to be for weight loss, just because it helps you eat less food. So it's, it's quite practical in that way. There's a big argument going on about whether that's the reason people lose weight on it, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, people basically do it because it, it makes being in a caloric deficit easier and it makes losing weight really easy, especially as you get used to being fasted and you're not really hungry. It just feels effortless to eat half the amount of food that you were eating before. Um, but there are a lot of other benefits as well. I mean, there's some proof that uh, fasting may increase brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, which helps fertilize and grow new brain cells. It's been shown to decrease inflammation. It's been shown to upregulate mitochondrial biogenesis, and it's just been shown to have a whole range of benefits, possibly even for cancer. Um, a, a lot of these benefits are still kind of in their early stages, but it does really seem promising in, in a lot of animal models. And um, yeah, the benefits are great, and they and they really do go beyond weight loss. Yeah, definitely. I think like the physiological yeah. effects of why people lose weight isn't aren't they, they aren't that uh, significant as the ones of the psychological aspects of of simply first of all you get detached from the food that you eat as well you 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 get out of the habit of frequent eating and that's like the biggest benefit of why people tend to overeat as well because they're simply bored or they're simply too attached to the food that they eat and fasting is a way to you know get out of that cycle for at least a moment and to regain your uh, control in a sense. Yeah, I, I'm not the biggest fan of counting calories, but I find that when people do end up counting their calories, uh, they're usually surprised at how much they're eating. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're just like constantly snacking, you know, you have a snack here, that's a few hundred calories. You have another snack here, you have a few hundred calories. And you kind of forget how much you're eating, you're eating and eating and eating, and, eating and, and it's hard for you to lose weight. So, um, yeah, intermittent fasting kind of makes you more aware of that because yeah. you pile that's, all your food all together. So that's yeah. funny you mentioned like this snacking. I literally have like a few examples from my own life where people they like say that oh I'm so busy I don't have time to eat and I'm not eating anything throughout the days. But in reality, when I look at them what they're doing, they're like, you know, moving around the house, doing some household chores or whatever, and they're accidentally picking up some foods here and there, like, without even noticing, I'm not thinking, like, they can literally say that I'm not eating any food during the day, but while at the same time, they're putting something in their mouth or something like that, like, it's, it's like, it's unconscious uh, patterns of, of behavior, they're quite common, and people don't even tend to notice it, and, uh, yeah, counting your calories and such, there, there are ways of, you know, bringing more awareness into how you behave. And it's funny. It's like there's, yeah. like, there's um, like massive cognitive dissonance in all of our behavior in some, in, uh, sometimes. Yeah, definitely unconscious eating. That's a, that, that's a big one. Mindless eating. People just eating because they're bored because they don't know what else to do. And, and that's a really common thing. That's, that's something I used to do as, a lot as well. I was never like fat, but 
when I was a teenager especially, I'd like waste a lot of time playing computer games. And when you're playing computer games, you're snacking all the time. So I, I was definitely aware of that. And that's one of the main reasons I know I'll keep doing fasting because it just keeps you in check. And yeah, I mean, you don't have to be super strict about your schedule. You don't have to be like eight hours, okay? And you're looking at the clock and waiting for one minute to pass to eat. But I think having, you know, doing a bit of fasting every day can give you a bit of structure and prevent that it, mindless eating. It makes it so much easier. And it's like you said, it brings so much structure into your, into your day. And uh, like yeah. uh, this kind of positive restriction, it's going to give you like more freedom. You don't have to waste of waste your time or cognitive willpower on thinking about it you don't have to think like i'm i'm gonna have to resist i'm gonna have to resist eating this piece of food that is right in front of me like you don't have to think about it if you know that it's not your time in that it's not in your uh, fasting window in a sense and you can you know basically liberate yourself completely from it and that's kind of a yeah. an amazing super power in my in my opinion but uh like the well, best... why did you start yeah sorry Oh, why, why did you start fasting in the first place when you, you said you started when you were a teenager and oh yeah well i basically i th i heard like it's gonna be this kind of a very beneficial for your hormones and uh, like growth hormone is gonna help you to burn fat and uh, and if you do eat then it's gonna help you build muscle so the double whammy of <laughs> the holy grail basically and uh that that's what that's the reason i started like to yeah to have to be to find a way to uh, lose fat easier while still being able to build muscle I, I saw i saw some videos on youtube of some other fitness people doing it and i find it you know it's quite quite uh, effective and quite interesting so i decided to try it out what was it kind of difficult at first when you when you uh, started out yeah it it was actually like the first days maybe i i used to do it like um I used to start it off by skipping dinner or something, and uh, that was that mm. was more difficult because uh, I had to go I had to go to bed like with with some hunger, and uh, I think like after I sw switched over from uh, skipping breakfast or you know postponing it until lunchtime, then uh, then it became easier and uh, I started to see more results because of that as well. Yeah, um, skipping dinner is, is, is quite tricky to do because I just prefer to fast during the day, work out, and then just finish the day with a lot of food. And I, I find it works so much better for me that way, and most people do it like that. But I've been reading some research lately that's been saying that it's good to eat your biggest meal at the start of the day because it, it goes in sync with your circadian rhythm. Mm. Supposedly, there's some benefit to doing that metabolically, but, um, but I just don't think that's feasible for most people to eat the biggest biggest meal and get like 2000 calories in the morning and then fast for the rest of the day when they have you know social obligations and dinners they want to go to and i just don't think that would work for most people that's true i like uh, there's some aspects of it that i do agree with like uh, that the food is gonna you know start off your circadian rhythm but uh, at the same time if you do let's say consume a whole lot of calories in the morning or in the earlier parts of the day, then of course, then you're then you're also going to uh, you're also going to you know uh, tax the digestive system as well. Like uh, you're gonna direct more energy into that into digesting food, and then that's gonna take away energy from your other daily activities. I, I would imagine as well. But there, there was also yeah. like this well, one study, like one recent study that showed that people who skip breakfast 
they have like higher mortality rates and uh, than than the ones who do eat breakfast. But uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think I think like a lot of those studies, they're not controlling for anything. I mean, it could just be people who are skipping breakfast and then eating McDonald's afterwards, right? Like, yeah, I, I yeah, mean, I, that, I, that was exactly like some of the case. That's exactly what was the case. Like the the people who yeah. did skip breakfast, they didn't have like a very healthy lifestyle. They had other other unhealthy lifestyle factors, like you know, smoking or or things like yeah. That. That that's the problem with a lot of studies and, and, and with like meat and saturated and fat and and a lot of these a lot of claims are made on um, on certain facts based on population studies and you just can't use them to to say whether something is true or not. Um, you can you can use them to kind of come up with an idea of what might be the case, but then you need those randomized controlled trials and meta analyses of randomized controlled trials to be able to say anything for cert for certain. Um, we we, we should talk about what you can drink during a fast because this is something that's so mixed mm. in the fitness world you have some experts saying that you should just have water and you have some people saying you can have mct oil you can have coconut oil you can have bulletproof coffee whatever and yeah the, the things are just mixed with that so i'd be curious to see what you think about that yeah definitely like i think it comes down to what's the purpose of the fast or why you're fasting for because there are many reasons why people do it like if you want to lose fat then basically you simply need to restrict your your feeding window to a certain degree and to and then also eat less calories and uh, that's 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 where your fat loss goal is going to be reached but if you're doing something like let's say you're, you're doing it for the health purposes or you're trying to cleanse your body from these kinds of toxins then then of course you have to take you have to take uh, some additional things into account and like in one of my videos i also mentioned like that the, the three biggest benefits of fasting come from uh, being in ketosis uh, stimulating autophagy which is the cellular detoxification mechanism and the third thing is hormesis which is your body adapting to the physiological stress of fasting and uh, you know there are th different foods that are gonna trigger these kinds of processes for instance water water itself is not going to kick you out of ketosis or stop autophagy or anything like that so water is definitely something that is 100 percent guaranteed safe while you're fasting and uh when it comes to stuff like mct oil or bulletproof coffee then uh the, then, then the fats, they're not going to kick you out of ketosis because they're going to keep uh, insulin quite low and uh, th that is going to keep you in this fat burning state. But at the same time, there are some studies that show that uh, too much fat and too much exogenous ketones even or MCT oil or these beta-hydroxybutyrate salts, they can actually stimulate the release of insulin by, by, by uh, raising mTOR. You know, the idea is that... Uh, too much energy what in whatever form inside your body it's like a signal that that your body doesn't need to break down its own tissue that you know there's plenty of energy around and if you take these exogenous ketones or if you take bulletproof coffee then that's gonna raise mTOR mTOR is the pathway it's the most anabolic pathway in your body that is responsible for you know growing all tissues in your body all cells or muscle cells and fat cells or whatever like uh, it, these bulletproof coffees and whatever in any, any high form of energy in whatever type of form is going to raise mTOR and it's going to raise insulin so it's and that, that is like the that, that's going to negate the effects of autophagy which is which would mean that you're going to get kicked out of a fasted state 
while, while, while at the same time still staying in ketosis. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can drink coffee with milk, even if you want during a fast and call it a fast. As long as you're in a caloric deficit, yeah. you're going to lose weight. And then for autophagy, for example, well, you can think to yourself, if, if I drink coffee, is that going to inhibit autophagy? No, it's going to, it's going to help it. Fat, coffee helps mobilize fat. And studies have shown that after you consume coffee, ketone body production actually increases which is pretty interesting. So that, that's that's not, yeah, that that's not going to cause problems. So if if your main goal is to um, fast for autophagy, then you can drink coffee. So it, it's all kind of individualistic, and I, I don't think it's good to have rules in black and white that apply to everyone because everybody's goals are different. Um, yeah, I think like the yeah, but, yeah, there's there's like the we don't actually know. There's not a lot of research done on autophagy either. Like we don't know how it works. We don't know what stops yes, it, you. what, what <laughs> inhibits it, and you know, like the the biggest inhibitor of autophagy is insulin and uh, mTOR. Like, uh, if you, the in in theory you could, you know, stay in autophagy with with like high amounts of fats and uh, as long as you keep your insulin low. But in practice, it it can it depends on the individual, you know, how insulin sensitive you are. How how their body reacts to high amounts of fat and uh, and you know what kind where does it where does that energy gets directed to you know autophagy can also happen you know in different uh, tissues like it's not this all all encompassing uh, process it happens like in different uh, diff tissues and in different degrees as well. Yeah, you have like neural autophagy, muscular autophagy. Yeah. It, it, it's everywhere in the body and. I think everybody's bodies are so so different. Like people, some people really have not wrapped their head around how different people's bodies are. There, there was a huge study where they they had taken like eight hundred people people or something like that, and they had given them given them different amounts of foods. And and some people, uh, their their blood sugar increased when they consumed fat, and and some people's didn't. So it, it's all different, and it and it relates back to people's genes, their lifestyles, their habits. So. That's something really important to keep in mind. Yeah, um, I would imagine like a yeah. high, high competitive athlete, like an uh, endurance cyclist or or some CrossFit professional, they're gonna have a like they're gonna actually drop their insulin if they eat, let's say, a sweet potato or something. They're gonna have a like a hypoglycemic event almost. I would imagine because it gets because their muscles yeah. simply absorb it so fast. Yeah, yeah, like um. And and for those elite athletes training fast, uh, training fasted and doing something like a lot of strength training or something like that for a few hours on end might not be the best idea because it's really glycolytic and you might end up losing muscle because protein is going to have to turn into sugar at some point given like a really intense type of exercise like CrossFit, for example. I mean, you can't do CrossFit for a few hours really, really intensely and expect to retain all your muscle. I mean, it's just... That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, what do you think about uh, training in a fasted state? Uh, because, in terms of fat loss, in terms of performance, what what have you found in your own life in general? And then we could talk about the the science after that. Yeah. Well, the biggest uh, danger or the biggest fear people might have is that they're going to lose their muscle mass or their body's going to start to cannibalize itself, start eating its own tissue. But uh, in general, it's not. It's a lie. It's not going to happen. Like uh, your body is quite very is is very adaptive in a sense of uh, being able to uh, readjust itself to the absence of food quite quickly because you shift into ketosis. 
and uh, when you're in ketosis you can actually you have access to your energy you have access to your own body fat all the time you tap into this uh, abundant source that is in your adipose tissue you know your, your body fat can store about you know unlimited amounts of calories almost and even very lean people who have like under 10 percent body fat they already have like 40,000 to 50,000 calories all at, with them at all times so if you shift into ketosis then uh, you can get access to that amount of energy and you know the key is to get into ketosis because if you do fasting without getting into ketosis then you're indeed then you're indeed can lose your muscle mass because you you don't you, you don't go through this kind of a shift uh, and when it comes to working out then uh, in my experience when you're doing stuff like cardio or some easy easy light movements throughout the day like everyday activities walking jogging cardio th things like that those are like perfect for intermittent fasting because uh, like we said you once you switch into ketosis they're gonna you know you're gonna reduce your muscle catabolism and you're gonna start burning your body fat almost exclusively and you know the deeper in ketosis you are the the, the the easier it is for you to maintain your benef performance benefits as well like I've, I've noticed like if i do let's say fastest cardio on uh, on without having eaten anything for 20 hours or something like that then i can easily easily you know do the cardio and then continue my fast for let's say at least a few hours before i eat without you know having this kind of a catabolic effect without having hypoglycemia without feeling lethargic or feeling like i'm losing my muscle or something like that like that's the power of ketosis in my opinion like if if, if you want to lose fat then doing fasted cardio is definitely something that uh, that i've found to be very effective and uh, easy to stick to especially on the ketogenic diet but when it comes to working out and lifting weights then there is indeed like you mentioned this sort of a sort of a limiting factor when it comes to working out on a fasted state because you do indeed need some glycogen for high intensity exercise and um, there's there's like i would say like if you do it high intensity high intensity interval training for let's say 15 minutes 15 to 30 minutes in a fasted state that's then that's like a that's then that time length isn't long enough for you to burn yourself out that uh, anything longer than that might might lead to some sort of a negative side effects but uh, anything anything lower than that is perfectly fine and uh, like doing resistance training lifting weights like powerlifting or or bodybuilding then i've also noticed like if i do it like one hour in a faster state then i'm perfectly fine without any any uh, consequences yeah, I think especially at the beginning, for example, if somebody's been eating frequent meals and they do a lot of strength training, if they're suddenly going to shift to doing fasted training, then they should probably lower down the volume and the intensity until their body sort of adapts to being able to train as hard in a fasted state. If you try to do the exact same, if, let's say you're doing 10 reps of 200 kgs on the deadlift and you've been doing that for the last few years and you try to do that in a fasted state and you've never trained fasted before, you might run into some problems and you'll probably see your performance go down a bit. Mm. So, I mean, if you haven't done it before, then you have to give your body um, a bit of time to adapt. But like you were saying, I, I can definitely attest to the cardio being perfect in a state of ketosis. Personally, just for the for you guys watching, I, I don't always follow a ketogenic diet, but I found when I've sustained a state of nutritional ketosis for a while, then I fast 
afterwards for a few hours and then I go and do some cardio, I feel like I can run forever. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. And then after I'm done, I don't feel like I've worked out. I'm like just yeah. going about my day, continuing with my work, which is the really, really cool thing. Um, but I, I do find when I'm in a state of nutritional ketosis, then my performance in the gym definitely goes down as opposed to eating carbohydrates the day before. Um, but again, you know, if, if you adapt to that state of nutritional ketosis over like six months or even even a bit less than that, depending on, on your history, then you may be able to perform as well. Some people may be even stronger the moment they start. So it, it depends on you as a person. But from, from what I've seen, most people will find their strength training performance will go down a little bit mm. when they start uh, like a ketogenic diet. Yeah, it it depends on like what type of training you're doing as well and uh, why you're doing it for. Yeah. Imagine like someone who is doing powerlifting or weight Olympic weightlifting, then they're not that they're not burning that much glycogen other than other than that small time frame of doing those five reps or something like that. Then the, yeah. then in that case, doing a ketogenic diet is, is 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 I would imagine is as effective because you're not you're not in the state where you're constantly lowering your well you're not you know at the lower ends of your glycogen stores you still have time to replenish your glycogen stores even uh, even in between the sets or to you know regain your power only in in the example of some stuff like you know extreme bodybuilding of doing like 15 uh, reps 15 to 20 reps of this highly glycolytic activities that's only going to decrease your performance if you're on a ketogenic diet even if you were doing a bit of CrossFit, as long as you're hitting your calories for the day and your protein for the day, you're probably not going to run into any trouble. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you need 2,500 calories to maintain your weight and you need 160 grams of protein, if you're getting that, it's not like your muscles are going to shrivel up in a few weeks. <laughs> you're, you'll probably be fine, especially if you, if you eat that meal after your workout. It, it generally just comes down to what you're eating day-to-day, week-to-week on a consistent basis. But, I mean, if you wanted to secure your chances and optimize everything about your exercise, then it may be a good idea. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I guess, again, it just depends on your goals and w- what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and it and it doesn't doesn't mean that you can't replenish your muscle glycogen stores. Uh, like, there, you can, you know, regain your muscle glycogen even with uh, eating some fat. You know, fat can be converted to glucose and uh protein as well and uh even if and also i've i've seen some studies that show that muscle glycogen stores can replenish themselves even uh you know without eating anything just just you know just because of the time frame they can replenish themselves throughout some time like uh 24 hours or 36 hours or something like that they can replenish themselves so it's quite quite your body is simply very adaptable to that in in this regard how did you find your experience when you first started the ketogenic diet? Because I remember from the last interview, this like six months ago, you, you were saying you started with paleo. And then after you started with paleo, you started to transition into the ketogenic diet. What was your experience like in terms of exercise when you started? Mm. I would definitely like uh, after I switched over to keto, I did notice like a some some slight decrease in my performance in my strength and uh in my power but but it but it lasted only for let's say a week or two or something like that 
and uh, after that I started to I started to add I started to be less strict with my macros as well I simply started to eat you know like these keto friendly foods in uh, larger quantities and in larger amounts and uh, I and that's that kind of like allowed me to feel better and allowed me to perform better as well while working out but um, also I, th I think like one of the reasons I did have this sort of, sort of a decrease uh, during the initial periods was that I was working at a restaurant at that time like this night shift work almost during the summer where you had to be active like it, it was funny like uh, during the day when you had to wait tables and you know do some chores at the restaurant it was perfect it was perfect for keto because you didn't get hungry you didn't get tired you had constant energy all the time you know like and other people were you know grazing away at you know having snacks throughout the day they were thinking like oh there's so much work i don't have time to eat and you know that i'm starting to feel like tired i'm starting to feel hypoglycemic or anything for me it was like no i'm all good like uh, <laughs> i just i just uh I, I haven't eaten anything today and uh, I'm still able to, you know, be active and uh, without losing my focus in a sense. But during the night, you know, you start to suffer from sleep deprivation. You're going to experience these higher levels of cortisol. And uh, that was, that's, that's going to have like, um, that's, that's the only thing that, that was the only thing that uh, I think was the biggest reason why I suffered from this decrease in, in performance was, you know, lack of sleep and, uh, and you know increased cortisol yeah from what i've read the process of um creating sugar out of protein and fat is quite stressful on the body so that can be one reason out of a few why cortisol just shoots through the roof when people start a ketogenic diet or do it wrong as well because a lot of people will start one and under eat completely because they feel so satiated yeah. so that under eating completely and they and they feel like crap their libido and stuff goes down and they're like, oh, I hate this diet and they give up after a few days. So I definitely think that it's something that you have to do for a while and you have to let your body adapt. But the, the big downside for me is always testosterone and libido. It falls no matter what I do, no matter how I manage my stress, no matter how much I meditate. Even if I'm eating in a surplus, it goes way out the window and that's a big reason why I can never sustain nutritional ketosis for too long. Mm. And then the moment I the moment I carbs little, little phillips happy you know so it's like it's like it, it's a big it's a big thing that i have to choose there and th that's one of the main reasons why I'd, i just can't can't do it long term but who knows so maybe what, in the future what are you, doing, what are you doing right now then how, how do you swap swap in between the keto diets like how i eat right now is um i'll just fast until maybe five o'clock then i'll work out and then I'll eat between 7 to 9.30, 9.30 and I'll eat maybe 40% carbs, 30% fat, and the rest from uh, protein. Mm. And that works really, really well for me um, in the meantime. That, that's what I found has been the most sustainable thing for me, fasting for most of the day, uh, working out really, really hard, and then having one or two really big meals with a pretty, pretty balanced ratio of macronutrients. Mm. And I find like that that's the one where – I mean, obviously, I'm not going to perform as well cognitively as I would if I was sustaining nutritional ketosis, but I don't seem to get hungry in the morning like you'd expect from eating so many carbohydrates and then fasting in the morning. I don't really seem to have that effect. 
but I can see a lot of people experiencing that if they're eating a ton of carbs, especially if their metabolism is really slow mm. and that maybe even a little bit insulin resistant, then they're going to run, run into trouble. But yeah, I, I seem to manage pretty well on that. What, what, what do you think about like uh, fasting, slowing down your metabolism? Oh, well, there, have been, there hasn't been that much research on that, but the idea that frequent meals boost your metabolism is pretty outdated. And again, just like the protein absorption thing, so many people still believe this. It's, it's incredible how, how a few articles from years and years ago can influence the average person's opinion for years and for the rest of their life. And yeah, uh, I mean, a few studies from what I've seen have shown that fasting, short-term fasting will boost your metabolism from between about 36 to 14%. And that's not anything that significant, and it may have something to do with the effect it has on catecholamines. But, I mean, yeah, if anything, it helps your metabolic rate. So it's it's nothing to be concerned about. <laughs> it's not going to slow down your metabolism. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. if you're doing like uh, these lean gains or something like that. If you fast for one day, then you're definitely not going to notice a decrease in metabolic rate or anything like that. And like you said, after after like this initial 36 to 48 hours, you're going to actually experience this small boost, small boost in metabolism. And that's because of, you know, uh, releasing, re- burning off some of the glycogen and, and, and uh, starting to burn your body fat. But but indeed there is some there is some signs of uh, metabolic uh, decrease after let's say five to six days or something like that. That's that's the moment when your body is going to switch over to into this uh, kind of a preservation mode in 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 a sense of uh, you know noticing that there is indeed not adequate uh, adequate energy around at the moment, and that's that's a, that's a sign of you know. That's a reason for your body to actually lower down its metabolic rate slightly. But you know who's gonna fast for five to seven days on a on a consistent basis? You know some people do it, but um, yeah, it's it's it has it may have some you know long term or short term consequences as well. But even that's not a bad thing. Even if your metabolism is gonna slow down after four, five, six days, whatever, it doesn't that after you finish that fast your metabolism is going to be slower it's just like testosterone there was this swedish study which showed that short-term fasting increases your testosterone by about 180 percent but then after about three days or maybe a bit more than that your testosterone levels plummet and it makes sense because if you're fasting for that long it's a big stress on the body so your cortisol is going to go up and then more cholesterol is going to be directed towards the synthesis of of cortisol um but what they found in the study is that after that three-day fast, four-day fast, when testosterone fell, um, androgen receptors were more sensitive to testosterone. So just like we become more sensitive to insulin, if we're fasting, for example, we can become more sensitive to testosterone. So like the average testosterone level for guys is going to be between 250 to 1,000 nanograms per deciliter. 300 nanograms per deciliter may go further for you than uh, 400. So that may be one of the core cool potential benefits of fasting. Like I mentioned, that even though your metabolic rate might decrease slightly, then it's not necessarily a bad thing. It actually can be very good for you because uh, it's, it's, it's your body protecting itself. It's your body actually you know, going through some of the physiological processes of expanding its lifespan or something like that. Like the, you know, having a high metabolism or of what it basically means is that is that you're burning through a lot of energy constantly 
and uh, you know even though or let's say what what is what is the cause of aging is that you know you're burning through a lot of energy and uh, fasting is you know fasting can be is very common amongst the people who like uh, who have like longer lifespans i believe as well and uh, in animals as well if you restrict if you restrict the caloric intake of some of almost every species on the planet they're going to experience uh, longer life rates and they're going to live longer and uh, fasting is one of the easiest ways or the one of the most shown ways of uh, preserving or of, of uh, prolonging uh, your lifespan and longevity yeah i mean if you look at um some of the really some of the old, oldest living people in the world like the sardinians for example that's a island just off Italy with like a million people but they live really really old and yes they can have a lot to do with like genetic mating you know old people mating with other old people whatever um, but at the same time what we know is that they spend a lot of time in between meals and they're very physically active so they may only have one or two big meals per day and it's not like they're going around being like yeah lean gains but essentially they are doing a form of intimate fasting and that may be one of the reasons why they're living so long because they naturally calor calorically restrict themselves. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, even if you see, for people watching, even if you see that fasting will decrease your metabolism after a few days, it, it, it's nothing to be worried about. I mean, your body is designed to handle some stress. You know, if you're not going through any stress at all and you're just giving it what it wants all the time, then you're going to degenerate. It's not good for you. But that's not to say that you have to fast. You you can eat frequent meals every single day as long as you're exercising frequently and you're eating healthy food. You can live a healthy life. Um, but fasting just simplifies it so much and takes care of a lot of stuff for you with little to no effort. Hmm. How long yeah. have you been fasted for? Or how Today? Long, like, uh, what's the longest you've been fasting for? You mean like the longest fast I've ever done? Yeah. Uh, 80, 80 hours ish, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, th like, I think you did a hundred a hundred hour fast, right? Yeah, like four to five days or something yeah. like that. But yeah, it's like it it becomes uh, it becomes easier the longer you do it. Actually, like the first the most difficult part is uh, the first twenty four hours, and uh, if you wake up the next day, then you're not gonna feel any different. You're not gonna feel like you haven't eaten for you know thirty hours. You're gonna feel the same way as you would. When you woke up the first day like there's no difference there's no difference in terms of the physiological sensation of hunger uh when you compare it to like if you haven't eaten for 16 hours or when you haven't eaten for 72 hours there's like yeah you don't just keep getting hungry and hungry and hungry right yeah <laughs> 10 days yeah. hunger is, is yeah. the same it's the same it's the same feeling i've had some interesting attempts uh, i've tried to attempt prolonged fasting when I was filling up on a lot of carbs and getting past the 24-hour mark was just impossible. Mm. It was actually like I, I consider myself to have a lot of willpower but getting past the 24-hour mark when you've been filling up on a ton of carbohydrates can be can actually be quite hard. Comparing that to when I fed up on a lot of uh, high-fat, low-carb meals, it was just a piece of cake. It was just like, okay, I'm not eating now. Okay, I'm not eating for a few days. That's it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that can have a lot to do with it. And that can be a good way to ensure that you're in a state of ketosis and, and you're not going to lose muscle. Yes, yeah. it's true. Like that the, the if you want to protect your muscles, if you want to protect your, you know, 
lean 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 tissue then you will want to get into ketosis as soon as possible and if you if you do eat these high high amounts of carbohydrates before starting your fast then of course it's going to take you a longer time before you can gain the benefits of fasting you end your last meal at 6 p.m the night before and then you wake up in the morning and you go and walk for like three or four hours. And like you were saying before, walking is probably the best kind of exercise you can do during fasting because unlike jogging, it's not going to increase resting cortisol levels. It's actually going to decrease them. It's it's really, really chill on the body and you're able to dig in, dig through your glycogen stores. And so he says to go for a really long walk in that morning and then perhaps consume some MCT oil or something like that to give you some energy. Um but you don't really need to do any of that if you've been doing a ketogenic diet for a prolonged period of time beforehand. Mm. So, yeah. You, you you don't even have to do it for like months on end. If, if you just do like four or five meals prior to and you make them high fat, low carb, it'll make it so much easier to do. Yeah, it's, it's going to allow your – the transition process is going to be much easier. But uh, what, 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 what do you do like during the fast? What, what kind of – tips do you have for you know making it uh, more effective or making it easier for for prolonged fasts no let's say like any any day fasts um do it every day i think that's probably the best tip it's just like working out i think that you should work out most days because if you skip one day, then it's very easy to skip another. It doesn't mean you have to work out really, really intensely every single day. But if you just do a little bit every day, it becomes a habit. And it's the same with fasting, especially if if, if you're just doing a little bit of it. If you're doing a 16-hour fast every single day, like I'd rather have you do that every single day instead of a few days a week. Because you're just going to get used to it. After two weeks, it'll just be a piece of cake. Mm. And you'll be able to sustain that long term. And you'll just kind of forget that you're doing it. But if fasting is quite difficult for you because it can be at the start and it can take a lot of willpower, um, just focus on being busy. Be really, really busy. Coffee helps a lot. Coffee will get rid of your appetite big time. So if you like coffee, then enjoy it. If you don't want to be having too much caffeine because it gives you the jitters or whatever, then just pile up on the decaf coffee. Decaf is, I mean, it's, it's good for you. It doesn't give you cancer like many things, like many people say it doesn't. Um, so some decaf coffee, some normal coffee, perhaps some tea if you want can be great. Um, and generally that's enough to get most people through it. Yeah. And just don't be a baby. Just toughen up and do it. <laughs> That's true. Like uh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Like it's only a big yeah, deal yeah. in your own head. Like oh, I haven't eaten for ten hours. One wipe your little douches. Yeah, it's crazy. It's cra yeah. crazy how how uh, social conditioning can can uh, change people's perspective on uh, on like physical pain and uh, in the, in this example fasting. Like in some societies, fasting is like a very common practice or it's very it's seen a it's seen as something you know very natural you know animals don't when when animals get sick they're not going to eat either they're going to stop eating until they get well they're going to crawl up into some sort of a hole and wait until they get uh, well again and uh, in, in 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 our society people like they look they think they look uh, at fasting as something dangerous as something you know negative and uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's quite crazy. It's amazing what the last few decades can do for yeah, yeah. for uh, people's mindset as opposed to like the last 10, 
20, 50,000 years of evolution. Um, but I can't tell you how many of my friends, most of my friends, they're like lift weights, the bros, right? Protein, 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 lift weights, lift weights, lift weights. And I can't tell you how many of them would freak out at the idea of fasting for like 20 hours per day. And, and, and the idea that that would just cause muscle loss. I'm not doing that. It's like, yeah. screw that. <laughs> yeah. I've actually seen, noticed like, yeah, like, like we mentioned earlier, like, a short or a small boost in testosterone thanks to fasting and uh, I think like it's very effective for actually building muscle or at least facilitating facilitating the growth of muscle in the feeding period of uh, releasing this growth hormone and uh, and testosterone like growth hormone has been shown to increase by a lot and I have some videos coming up on that which is cool but a lot of the time these hormones are just in response to what's lacking like growth hormone will help to release glucose so it's just kind of like a response to it. So I don't think it necessarily means that like you get a 2000% increase in growth hormone and then you magically get really big, mm. but I don't think it hurts. I don't think, I mean, if, if, if fasting short term is showing to increase testosterone by 180%, then surely it can't be that bad. I mean, anything that's increasing testosterone is going to be good for a lot of guys. It's, it's going to help you get leaner, um, but it won't help you get more muscular testosterone. There's actually been really interesting research looking into this, and it shows that the difference between like 300 nanograms per deciliter to 600 nanograms per deciliter of testosterone doesn't actually have a big impact on muscle mass at all. Mm. The only time you really have significant effects on muscle mass is when you start to like quadruple your testosterone levels, mm -hmm. and the only way you can ever do that is if you're taking exogenous forms of it, mm. or you've just been completely deprived of it, like in a basement, sleeping three hours a night, just like mm -hmm. fapping the porn, not getting any sun, and then you introduce strength training and sun and good diet. <laughs> Only in those circumstances will you really see benefits for muscle gain. But what they did find is that the difference between 300 nanograms per deciliter and 600 nanograms per deciliter, there was a difference of 36% more fat mass mm. in the group who had... Um, 300 nanograms per deciliter. So by increasing your testosterone levels by fasting, like we're saying before, getting more sun, strength training, that can have a huge impact on how much fat you're holding onto your body. So it's definitely something worth pursuing just for that, just for the fact that it increases testosterone. Mm, yeah, and fasting isn't like a quick fix. Like you, even if it does show some signs of increasing growth hormone and testosterone if you're not sleeping if you're not eating nutritious foods if you're not getting access to sunlight then 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 it's not going to work in a sense you know the, the, the growth hormone you know the most growth hormone actually gets released during the sleep time so you need to, you still need to sleep to actually you know allow that growth hormone to do its work yeah eric eric helms who i've had on my on my channel a few times he's a PhDs specializes in like powerlifting, but he knows a ton about diet and nutrition. And he came up with this really famous hierarchy of needs. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. Um, I forgot how that goes. I haven't looked into that much, but basically it's a pyramid scheme of what you should be prioritizing for body composition when you're trying to get ripped. So it's like calories are the most important thing, then your macronutrients, then your micronutrients, then meal timing, and then supplementation, obviously. So even though meal timing, which is basically fasting, can have incredible benefits, like we said, for the brain, for longevity, calories are going to be the most important thing for whether you're going to live a long life or not, whether you're losing fat or not, and then your macronutrients. So um, fasting, like some said, isn't a magical cure, uh, but combined 
with your priorities, it can be an incredible tool to help you uh, achieve whatever goals you're trying to achieve. Mm, nice. And uh, what do you think is about something like uh, what what is missing from the research of you know fasting? Do you, what, do you think is there anything like that? Oh, I think there needs to be more research done on whether fasted uh, exercise is more effective for fat loss. Mm. So th there are a few studies. There's actually some decent research done by um, Brandon Schoenfield, I think. And there was a meta-analysis as well, which showed that fasted cardio isn't going to be any better for body composition, for fat loss over the long term. Um, but I think I looked into some interesting research that Fasted exercise in general may be better for losing stubborn body fat, like belly fat, and um, and I, I can explain why that happens right now if you want. So, in, in fat cells, we have uh, beta receptors and alpha receptors, and beta receptors are what release fat through lipolysis, and when fat is released, then oxidation occurs, and it's basically burnt and utilized for energy. So, in a fasted state, when you exercise, it's been shown that more uh, blood gets to those fat cells, especially in stubborn places, and then more, um, and then more blood gets to those beta cells, and then fat is uh, released from those beta cells and oxidized. Mm. So, what that might mean, according to that mechanism, is that by doing fasted exercise, you're getting more blood to stubborn uh, areas of body fat, uh, and and getting that fat released from beta receptors, and and that's why people will lose fat at a different rate. Um, but you'll lose fat around your belly last, and that's because uh, you're, you might have more beta receptors in your arms and your face. Mm. Um, so that might be one of the advantages of doing fasted cardio. But for some reason, most of the research shows, at least for cardio, uh, that fat loss is generally going to be the same when calories are controlled for. So I want to see more research on strength training and uh, in a fasted state and, and seeing whether that has any effects on fat loss. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely like to see some this sort of a uh, study on people who have you know fasted for long times of like five five days or seven days, and then doing some sort of a strength training, like especially in a state of ketosis, for instance. Like I would imagine there's not much difference in terms of your power output. Uh, let's say if you had fasted for 24 hours. And then for five days, you would still be able to at least at least in some degree. Let's say where your one rep max might might be slightly lower, but let's say your ninety percent max is would be something uh, the same. I would, I would definitely like to see something like that. But uh, and I yeah yeah, go ahead. I think in the ketogenic world as well. I think for studies relating to the ketogenic diet, they need to be using people who, like you, who have been adapted to a ketogenic diet long term, instead of taking people, putting them on a ketogenic diet for two weeks, and then comparing them to a control, because that's what a lot of the studies have been done on. Hmm. And maybe there won't be a difference, but I think that before people can conclude whether the ketogenic diet is good or bad for X, they need to take people who have been on it long, long term, um, because only then are you going to get the answers, the true answers that you want. So that that's another thing I want to see. Um, and hopefully that happens in the future. Yeah, like uh, what do you want, want to see? What yeah. like uh, the quite recently there was this these British guys who were rowing across the Atlantic uh, on a mm -hmm. ketogenic diet, like in uh, 29 days, these 3,000 miles in 29 days. 
just rowing all the time and they consume some mcts and uh, stuff like that so it, it goes to show that for these kinds of superhuman ultra endurance feats they're like uh, very very possible on on this kind of a uh, fat adapted state and i wouldn't you you, yeah. you wouldn't be able to do it like with glucose gels or or jelly beans or whatever like you would still you would reach an energy crisis eventually yeah i think definitely for like for for uh not for, for bodybuilders who are doing like bicep curls and trying to get as big as humanly possible the ketogenic diet will never be optimal for that it just won't but i think for these endurance type exercises ultra marathons like these sorts of things i think that being fat adapted can have some huge advantages and i think there's going to be a lot of research coming out on that in the future mm. which will be exciting to see i think like for bodybuilding mm. and things like that if you're a natural bodybuilder or if you're a natural strength athlete then you still wouldn't want to be on a constantly high carbohydrate diet i would you would want to be on this sort of a cyclical approach because i think like it's going to ha allow you to have this sort of a lean gains approach of where you're building mostly lean muscle mass and uh, you're able to burn a ton of fat at the same time and uh, not, well not at the same time but you're like almost simultaneously because you're all, if you if you consume your carbohydrates only around your workouts then you're going to use those carbohydrates for purely muscle growth and at other times you're in this uh, semi ketogenic state where you're using your body fat and that's going to allow you to gain all the other you know hormonal benefits uh, as well as the fat burning uh, advantages as well so i think like if you're even if, if you're if you do if you don't do the strict ketogenic diet then you'll simply be very you can do like this sort of a cyclical ketogenic diet or or this car backloading even you know that, that's like something i would suggest everyone to do yeah i think if you're trying to gain muscle um then trying to do it with m minimal body fat is going to be a really good thing to try to do. Mm. And you don't necessarily have to do the cyclical ketogenic diet to do that, but it can be a really effective approach. But you really want to keep your body fat kind of under 15%. Yeah. Again, like we said before, because more body fat means more estrogen, less testosterone. And also, you can only gain muscle at a certain rate. Like eating way more calories in an attempt to build more and more muscle, it's just not going to help. It's not like if you eat 2,000 calories above your maintenance instead of 1,000, you're going to build a whole lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's like this point of diminishing returns quite quickly. Like yeah. 500 calories or something like that, anything beyond that is mostly going to be directed as fat. And, you know, these dirty bulks... They're gonna simply make you fat, <laughs> and uh, they're I gonna... mean they can be fun and they can be fun and enjoyable. I mean, but at the end of the day, you're gonna be left with more body fat, and then your cut is gonna be longer. It's gonna be more difficult to do, and you're gonna increase your chances of losing more muscle if you do it wrong. And uh, and of course, it's gonna be more. E it's gonna get more easier for you to get fat again because uh, you can't. <laughs> you, once you get fat, then you know you can't lose your fat cells completely. They can only you know uh, shrink. <laughs> But uh, let's let's start to wrap up this show as well. Like, um, what sure. what do you think is what's the deal with people who are doing this kind of intermittent fasting? And like, are they are they wrong? Is everything right in their head? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean, I guess it depends on again who you are and the reason you're doing it. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are getting onto it now. It used to be kind of seen as this very eccentric kind of weird thing, but so many lay people are seeing how effective it is for benefiting your life and, and, and losing weight. So 
I mean, I definitely think it is for the average person, but I think it takes a certain type of person to want to do things like OMAD and those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's, yeah. it's simply like a matter of uh, culture and, uh, you know, fasting has been practiced for thousands of years. You know, Hippocrates yeah. himself said that it's the greatest medicine and we simply need to go through this sort of a shift in our culture, in our collective consciousness and to, you know, re-adopt this kind of, or to, you know look at the benefits again and to see that it's it's very it's actually you know something that we should practice especially in the modern world where we have access to this kind of food all the time yeah well i mean like some people just don't care and that's fine you know some people are just content with their lives doing what they're doing and that that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but there's a certain type of personality where you're just trying to like optimize yourself in every way possible and when you tell someone like that here are the benefits of fasting and you present it in a logical way and that person is going to be like, okay, I'm doing fasting now. <laughs> so I, I, I guess it just de it depends on who you are. But um, you'd be surprised at how many people are doing it in the world now and, and how popular it's becoming over the last few years. So if you're watching this and you haven't tried it before or you haven't given it a good go for some reason, which I highly doubt if you're watching it till this point, um, then give it a go and try it out and let us know in the comments below. Definitely. How it goes. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm going to ask my one of my last questions as well. What would be some, some sort of a practice or a habit that you wish you adopted sooner that uh, would improve your body and your mind? Hmm. Uh, meditation and uh, doing it more consistently and taking it more seriously. Uh, and much earlier in my life, starting that. Definitely. I think that would trump everything. Because I've always, I've always been into like fitness and health. But definitely meditation is something I should have started earlier. Mm. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I I I would I, I would have to agree with that, in the in the sense that it it, it would develop a whole lot of more self awareness and uh, and self control, especially if you're a, like a kid or a teenager, that was gonna that that would drastically transform the person's you know future life as well. But uh, where can people yeah. learn more about uh, you and your stuff? Uh, me. Uh, just type in Philip Gesselbush, bit of a tricky last name. Uh, I'll spell it out for you, P-H-I-L-I-P-G-H-E-Z-E-L-B-A-S-H, and just look that up on YouTube. Um, I have a new blog coming, so subscribe to my channel, and then you can check that out when it's released. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, Philip, and uh, definitely we're going to stay in touch in the future, and I hope to meet you in person in someday as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. Likewise. Nice. Thanks. Can you hear me now with the microphone? Yeah, it's perfect. It's okay. Quite sweet. Sweet, yeah. Right, that's it for this episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms. And other than that, subscribe, click the like, notification bell as well. Like always, thanks for watching. My name is Seam. Stay optimal. Stay empowered.